Hey there, my name is Jackie, and I am your host of the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. Remember to visit homeschoolthinktank.com to learn more about how we serve homeschooling families. Also, if you check the link in the show notes below, you can get more information about anything that is mentioned in this episode. I hope you enjoy this episode about homeschooling and parenting, and be sure to check in on Mondays for our episode that is all about mindset. Today, I am so excited. I am interviewing the Kathy Duffy. I am beyond honored to have you on my podcast, Kathy. Thank you for joining us. Well, I'm just really glad to be here. I think we're going to have a great conversation. I sure do too. (laughs) Or I think so too. So I think most people know who Kathy Duffy is, but there are a lot of new homeschoolers in the world who might not know who you are yet. Kathy Duffy has the website, Kathy Duffy Reviews, and she reviews curriculum. So it's like the place to go to figure out what curriculum you want to use. So, but what's a little funny today is we're not necessarily talking about curriculum. Kathy and I decided that we're going to talk about homeschooling freedoms. Are you still on the same page with me, Kathy? (laughs) I didn't realize we narrowed it down, but that's great. (laughs) Oh, I thought that's what you wanted to say when we were chatting before. Yeah. But, and you know, and maybe another day we'll have you back just to chat about curriculum. But um, before we really dive into anything, here's what I want to know. And I think our listeners will want to know these things too. I want to hear sort of your history, a little bit about why you started homeschooling, uh, how many kids you had, what kept you going, because we all know homeschooling is not for the faint of heart. Um, So tell me, and for our new listeners here, like Kathy Duffy's website, when did you start that? Oh my goodness. (laughs) 80s? Uh, I think think it must have been the 90s (laughs) because the 80s, we were still learning to do FTP transfers and, you know, create books on, you know, on on a computer. Yeah. Yeah. We were were just, I'm thinking I was in college when the internet was like coming around, (laughs) you know, it just, (laughs) I, so that, and that was in the nineties. Yeah. So yeah, it had to be the nineties then. Yeah. Kathy Duffy has (laughs) like, she is famous in the homeschooling world. People just know who Kathy Duffy is, but, or at least heard your name at the very least. I think most people have heard your name. So go ahead. Tell me your history here. I, I I find the history of people interesting. Yeah. Well, we started back in the dark ages. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 1982 is our first year of homeschooling. And we got into it, you know, weird circumstances. Um, I had, I have three boys, uh, of course, all grown now, married, you know, that sort of thing. But um, my eldest son had been in, a, my eldest son, my second son had been in a private school. Uh, Chris, my eldest was in second grade the last year of that. And Josh, my second one was in kindergarten, Matthew preschooler, you know, we were, he was not going anywhere. I did not send him to preschool. We were doing things at home. And 
I was, I was happy with this school, you know, not, you know, oh no, we've got to get them out of here. This is terrible type thing. Uh, so, you know, that was a situation. And then a number of things started happening. And, you know, I look at, I'm, I'm a person, I'm a Christian and I, I look at things, you know, with God's perspective in there sometimes. And this was, uh, so strange that all I can account for is that God was trying to get my attention about homeschooling because it was just so off the wall, the way we got into homeschooling. I, one good example. What happened? I was getting together with another gal to do uh, yarn work. I was into textile, uh, textile art. Uh, we were doing weaving and things like that. And so there was a gal and I knew her only through art and we were going to get together one day over at her house. And she said, Oh, you'll have to talk to Karen. She homeschools her kids. And I looked at her blankly, like what? We never talked about kids school or any of this. Why do I need to talk to Karen? And it just sounded so off the wall. I didn't say anything at the time, but I did end up talking to Karen over at her house. Karen, as it turned out, uh, I figured this out, you know, down the road, there were probably only two families homeschooling in our county prior to 1982. And Karen was one of them. I mean, I'm in Orange County, a lot of people here. So, you know, this is just really, really weird. And I was talking to Karen. It was like, oh, yeah, that just makes a lot of sense. I really like that idea that really all just, you know, it's clicking with me. And, you know, there were a few other things that happened, but that was kind of a major thing that I just had to kind of step back and say, okay, is this something I should try? And I think I've always been an early adopter, you know, <laughs> out on the edge of trying things. So, uh, you know, decide, okay, we're going to do this. And so just started, you know, we just started into it that next year, but it was so different from today's homeschooling people can't picture what it was like uh, because we were in the gray areas of the law nobody really knew is this legal is it not um, my kids were afraid they were going to get arrested and go to jail because the kids down the street had told them that uh, it was <laughs> it was pretty you know pretty strange for them so what was it like to be one of the early homeschoolers well we had to cobble things together and make it up ourselves so, you know, we would scrounge books, you know, see if we could get old, old books, you know, discarded school books, get, we got a lot of things from the library. Uh, publishers wouldn't talk to us. The only publisher that would really wanted to sell to homeschoolers that had any idea what it was, was uh, Accelerated Christian Education, ACE. Uh, not my favorite curriculum, but um Otherwise, publishers didn't want homeschoolers using their resources. They would not sell teacher's guides, answer keys. So, you know, when I started, really? I started, yeah, really. And um, it was like, you know, you were going to go down and, you know, sell it on the street corner to the Catholic school kids or Christian school kids or whatever you were going to, you know, who knows what they were thinking, but they didn't want us to have access. So we developed some underground channels for getting some of the resources, even just the student textbooks. It wasn't easy. Uh, I, I've got whole stories on that. But, you know, when I, I first started searching for curriculum, trying to find things for uh, our family, that was my motivating 
uh, notion at first. And we just share with each other. We found each other. It was amazing how we found each other that first year. The number of us families uh, started in 1982. And all... All of us had weird stories like mine, where it was just kind of off the wall. Why on earth did we start doing this? Um, so very strange. And we shared whatever information we got, we shared with each other. We had typed up newsletters that we mailed to each other. You know, was that? Yeah. Yeah. Mail, mail. yeah. And I was interested in curriculum. So I started off, you know, you know checking out, like, trying to find out you know, good resources, what they were. And when I would write reviews at that time, I'd say, well, yeah, this one you need a teacher's guide for. So, you know, and it's difficult to get, you know, that the things we had to be concerned about were very different than now. So uh, a whole different world. So I want to say, Kathy, anytime you want to go down some rabbit hole, go. I am so delighted to have you as my guest that, you know, when you say, oh, I could go down this whole other thing. I mean, that's fine. I'm here to just hear your story. Really? Yeah. That's, and this is all part of it because I yeah. think right now, so many people take homeschooling for granted and it is right. not something we should take for granted because for people who are new to homeschooling, I want to share this, like back in the 1980s, parents were going to jail because they were homeschooling their kids. Right. They they really had to fight Mm -hmm. for the rights of us all to homeschool. And I really feel Kathy, that not only were parents like you fighting for the right to homeschool, but what you've ultimately done is help protect parenting rights as well. I don't believe we would have half the rights we do as parents without homeschooling families who fought for the right to homeschool. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, I knew the lawyers who started Homeschool Legal Defense Association. One of them was uh, involved with, you know, he was in California here. And when we started the Christian Home Educators Association of California, CHIA of California, that was in, I think, 1984, I think. Um, uh, He was, you know, involved with that. And those lawyers were, you know, on the side helping homeschool families before there was an organization, they were pulling together, but they were so focused on family rights and, you know, freedom and uh, people don't have any idea how much the, the battles that went on because it was risky. Um, as, you know, as I mentioned, our kids were afraid. They, I didn't even know how afraid they were until down the road uh, when I, Aww. you know, I heard some of the things, you know, when they told me some of the things they were thinking. What were some of the things that your kids were thinking and feeling then? Well, they were, they were afraid, you know, like if we went out to the library, we went out in public, you know, because people would ask them, well, why aren't you in home in school? And, you, you know, you could say homeschool, but nobody would know what that was. Mm-hmm. So uh, we just had to be very careful about we said you know what we said. Well, this is a day off. We're on a field trip. We're something you know, uh, whatever. Wow. I didn't want them lying. I didn't you know, but you know we just we thought about it. We were careful about what we were doing. You were careful in your phrasing. You chose your words very carefully to yeah. <laughs> not invite yeah. trouble to your doorstep. Really, yeah. So, yeah. and I'm wondering, do you know any of the parents? 
who literally ended up going to jail for homeschooling their kids? Or do you know any of those stories, even if you don't know the parents? Oh, it's a changing really history. Yeah. To understand. I, I know parents, I know families who went through the court system, um, Zan Tyler and others like her, you know, that were just, you know, they were in the, in the court system endlessly. Uh, just trying to fight those battles in different states. And, and it was state after state because the laws were different in every state. Winning it in one state, you know, that's only one state. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. That that would, I'd have to do some research right. because that's I don't. Right. I, don't I, I just thought if yeah. you do, share them, share the stories. And I, if you have introductions, I'll take them anytime <laughs> because this, I really feel like this matters so much that to appreciate what you have, you have to understand the past in many ways. Right. Um, and I think it's important for parents to understand how we should and can keep fighting for our own rights to homeschool our children and to parent our children and raise them as Mm -hmm. we see fit so yeah well and that's I think it's it's easy for today's homeschoolers to misapprehend the situation what do you mean they think that they are homeschooling that they have freedom but they don't understand how that freedom gets whittled away and especially as they participate in government-funded programs. So go ahead. And, and that's, that. I know it's a tender topic. Uh, we'll you know. go there. Yeah. I, I, I don't see any need to shy away from it. Whether people agree or disagree is really irrelevant to me. It's a yeah. matter of we can all take in this information and do what we want with it. Yeah. So go ahead and explain Well, it, that. you know, it's understanding the bigger picture of, of, of schooling, uh, government schools, were, were created in the first place so that government entities could control what children learn. And that has huge cultural implications. What do we want our children to learn? Who gets to decide that? And that's, an, you know, it's been a long ongoing, I mean, through, all throughout history, who gets mm-hmm. to control what children learn controls the future. So um, <laughs> I know you and I had again. A, Go ahead had, and say well, that again. You, we had a brief conversation. Uh, John Taylor Gatto writes about this brilliantly in a number of his books. Um, uh, I, I helped um, edit one of them, The Underground History of American Education. I think it's the, the title of I it. I actually haven't read that, Kathy. It's a I long, should. that's the longest one he ever wrote. <laughs> because that's something as I've been moving forward with homeschool think tank while I have some understanding of the history of education I realize I have a lot to learn about the history of education so yeah 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 well people tend to think of it uh, you know we we have the idea oh this is you know our way to raise all children to understand the nature of democracy and to be good citizens but that's (laughs) that's kind of um misleading because when the schools were started, uh, compulsory education laws and things, so many of it of them were put in place to force those who didn't conform to be like others. So 
say you had the, the huge Irish immigration and you've got uh, a lot of these Irish Catholic children, a lot of very, very poor families. And people are worried about them and these, you know, these uncivilized children and they're Catholic. So, you know, they're going to, you know, <laughs> they're all going to follow the Pope and they're not going to be good citizens and everything. So we need to get them into our schools so we can make them more like everybody else. And mm -hmm. you could say the same thing, you know, with uh, the Indians, where they, you know, people are much more aware of what happened with, you know, the Native Americans, mm -hmm. that a lot of people thought, well, we need to remove them from their culture so that we can make them more like other Americans. And they really removed them from the families, put them in boarding schools, uh, tried to destroy their cultures very purposely. And honestly, Kathy, they have. I live in the Southwest where uh, there are a lot of... Navajo people and um, Ute and I have seen back when I was a child I can remember coming to visit my grandparents I didn't live here at the time and seeing the Navajo women in their traditional dress you know the long skirts and the shirts and the turquoise jewelry and you know their sort of their I don't know what you call how they pull their hair back and wrap it. And the man mm -hmm. would have the long braids. You hardly see that anymore. Hardly at all. And it honestly makes me sad. And that just yeah. hit me a few weeks ago. I thought, I can't remember the last time I saw a yeah. woman, a Navajo woman in her traditional dress. And I find that heartbreaking personally, because yeah. they're their heritage is something to cherish and it should be passed on. And the children may, and here's how I understand it is the children understand the language sometimes, but don't always speak it. Right. And isn't that sad? You know, that's yeah. the Navajo code talkers, yeah. <laughs> you know, have saved us in, in war, you know, because mm -hmm. of their language. So anyway, yeah, well, there's, you know, there's lots of stories, you know, behind, you know, the development of the government schools, but they they have that very, uh, I don't know, you know, some would even say evil foundation there to mm -hmm. destroy the cultures of families to make them all be the same. We talk about the melting pot as if it's one wonderful thing, but not so much, you know, if you're on, you're getting melted to be like everybody else. Yes. Um, and that what they're also destroying is family, in my opinion, because when you really Very think much. about it, and even before I read John Taylor Gatto's book, that, that uh, dumbing us down, I had these thoughts in my mind. And when I read that book, it was like he had put into words all these thoughts I had had. But when you consider that your children go to school, let's say they're in school 30 to 40 hours a week you know, by the time they're at school and maybe if they ride the school bus there and back, all of these things. And now they come home with all of this homework and it's so much more. I don't know if you've ever read Peter Gray's book, Free to Learn, but he breaks it down, the, the numbers. And kids today have so much more homework, but that what that homework does is it's killing family time. Right. And right. It, I really believe schooling is destroying families in yes. a large part. Yeah. In a large way. Yeah. I think a lot of us in the early homeschooling movement figured out it was a lot about family restoration. I mean, it sounds like a, uh, 
a strange term, but uh, it really is that in a lot of ways, if you let it be. Now you can, you know, there are homeschoolers now who are so busy running around and, you know, participating in this class, that class, soccer and everything else. They're not home for family dinner and they're not spending any more time talking with their kids and just being with them than they would if they were in school. And that's, so, that can definitely happen. Yeah. You know, so I don't homeschooling's think- not magic. <laughs> No, no. And, you know, I even look at my own experiences as a homeschooler. We did activities, but I don't feel like we were ever so busy. But here's what I did do that if I, you know, hindsight is 2020. If you could turn back the hands of time, sometimes, you know, we would have our curriculum, but I think I needed to be a little more flexible in my approach with it. Because what it would be like if we went and did some nature. I remember going to these nature days or these field trip things where they are educational. And I fully recognized it, which is why we went, but then we would get home and I'd be like, okay, we got to do all this stuff. We can't get behind (laughs) and talk about sucking the joy out of life. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about taking the joy right out of life when you're just like, oh, we got to do this. We got to do this. And I can remember even my father was here, you know, he lives 16 hours away visiting and I'm trying to squeeze my kids' schoolwork in when grandpa goes somewhere else instead of just rolling with it, you know? And I look back and I think, Jackie, you needed to roll with the punches a little bit more and embrace those other opportunities as really important, just like this other learning. Yeah, that's, that's hard. Um, It's hard for a lot of homeschooling parents to do because they do worry about their kids learning and being successful and getting good grades or whatever, you know, and, you know, I don't know who's looking over their shoulders, but people often have pressures on them to perform and do it in ways that other people recognize. So that if your children are learning in some unusual way, it doesn't compute to the rest of the world might be entirely the best way for them to learn. But I'll give you one example, something we figured out, my eldest son, the best way for him to learn math, to work on his math was late at night on his bunk bed, up on his bunk bed, laying down with a radio on. (laughs) Because he was kind of ADD. And by the end of the day, he'd kind of burned off a lot of that energy and he could concentrate on his math. He was comfortable. The radio kind of blocked out other sounds and stuff and he could work on his math the best that way. Yes. So That's- you figure those things out and you go with, and you know, other people would say, well, no, he needs to be sitting up straight in a chair in a desk, you know, with no other noise, no distractions. No, no, no. And that's, I agree with you because especially for my youngest daughter, she is like, she gets restless leg syndrome. Like she needs to move a lot. Yeah. And, and especially when she was younger and I can look back from where I stand now and think, okay, we should have rearranged our schedule because I think we're so well conditioned by the public school system. Honestly, as parents, most of us went to school. And so you have this image of what their school should look like. And now I really differentiate between school and education. I even just three years ago, I didn't differentiate 
like I do now. They are yeah. different. Education is important in my mind. School is not. <laughs> and, you know, and I don't like the term homeschooling, but yeah, I mean, clearly I named my business homeschool think tank, but that's because that's what people call it. It's, yeah. it's what you call it. So when you don't go to school and you're educating your children at home, but I can look now and think in the mornings, I should have just let the kids play. And quite frankly, all these homeschool groups around where I live want to get together in the afternoons. And my mind as a mom, it would be so much better if we all got together at like 9 a.m., let the kids play or do whatever they want to do, right? Or even if it's a, a structured activity, do that. Let them, it, 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 that would do a few things. That one gives you a reason to get up, get dressed and get out of the house. And it like, there's something about that. That does feel good in my <laughs> mind. And, I'll, and give you a counter, I'll give you a counter to that. I, I always wanted to do it in the afternoon because. Oh, really? <laughs> by the time they'd been running around at the park and everything, and they ran, you know, whatever we were doing, you know, they were, they were just too worn out. I, their brains were weren't, weren't, yeah, they're, they were done. And we weren't yeah. going to get anything meaningful done in the afternoon. Oh, so that's funny, but, but see, it depends on the kids. I, it depends on your kids. What it does for you. That's why I have that slogan, live and learn your way. I yeah. thought about this a lot before I created it, <laughs> and yeah. that, but that I mean that like we all need to take what works for us, but don't be yeah. afraid to change the status quo. Yeah. You know, if what I think we need to be advocates for our own children and Go ahead and go out and create what you need for your, your family and your kids. Right. Absolutely. You know, well, and I didn't think like this early on though, Kathy, I, I, I can say absolutely and say this with conviction now, but early on it was like, well, what's going on? You just sort of, uh, it was like, you just almost waited for, and see, I I came in at a different stage where homeschooling was already happening. Right. Yeah. So there's already these groups and organizations, but quite frankly, I really didn't fit in with the groups and organizations where I lived. And I really should have done a little more to do what works better for my own kids and my family. Often finding just one other family that's on the same wavelength, wavelength, that works best. And if other people come along, fine, you know, whatever, but you've got to make make sure you're not sacrificing what works for your family to fit with a group. And I see this all the time where people, well, all my friends are doing this particular group and it may not be the ideal for your kids, for your schedule, whatever. And, but you know, oh, well, we want to do what everybody else is doing. So here we go. I want to jump back on the time um, element of this because it plays into, you know, we talk about compulsory schooling, but I think we have, so set in our mind, this idea of kids moving through by grade levels and spending so much time in schooling. And some of us in some states have to keep logs of hours spent. And, you know, all of that is really just a function of the school system because children don't need the amount of time to learn that is, you know, is wasted in the schools. They've done studies. So much of the time is wasted. And I think a lot of parents figured that out through the COVID experience, uh, mm-hmm. so much time is wasted by schools. Well, what do and they say? I, I think it's sort of like, if you spend two hours a day, you can do what schools take six hours to do. Oh, easily. Yeah. 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 It's just, and it's, you know, it's just, 
what are you even trying to do that's worthwhile? You know, so much of what a school is trying to do may not be what you need to do. And then this gets back to the, the family and your goal setting. It was maybe easier. I don't know. I, I can't think back that clearly about how we did this, but, you know, we got it early into setting our own goals. What do you want to do? What do you need to accomplish? Because we couldn't, you know, just go pick up a curriculum that's all put together for us had to decide, okay, what is it we need to do this year? So if you start that way and not letting, letting the schools dictate, but what is it my children really do need to learn? You know, what do you value? I mean, this is a deep question at some level, you know, because how much, you know, how much science, how much history, you know, how much grammar, do you need to repeat grammar every year for 16 years? <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> yeah, how really? many, shouldn't we you be asking know, this question? <laughs> you want to know where <laughs> a lot of my kids' grammar really improved when they started using Grammarly. Yeah. Uh, and I okay. got it for me when I was editing my book and then, at, well, and actually, yeah, I got it for that. Grammar, Grammarly is an online tool. Huh? Yes. And it totally <laughs> works because my, my oldest daughter, and I'm not going to stop her. And when she was writing, she literally, she's in her own head. I mean, the girl just writes and writes and writes. She, she's not doing this right now. I put her in college. Oh, and it, uh, I honestly <laughs> regret it. It ruined all sorts of things. I'm yeah. like, there's some good to it. She, yes. definitely some good, but I'm like, she would be a published author by now. And she's not because she went to college early. <laughs> and, and I mean, I really look at my, it, my youngest daughter started writing because of my oldest daughter. It was sort of, you know, monkey see monkey do there, yeah. but, but I thought she's the next JK Rowling. I mean, this girl can wow. write and she's an avid reader. I, hundreds of books in any given year she would read and not so much since she started college though. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we started the Grammarly. And so when she was writing, she would just write with no punctuation and she'd be like, mom, read this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't, <laughs> I can't read it. And so she would read it to me, which it was wonderful when she read it to me. But right. then when she started using Grammarly, I don't know if it, I think it, it just prompted her. And it's not like she didn't know any punctuation or anything, but it would prompt her. And even where her normal sentence structure was, you know, decent or whatever, it really improved. Everything really improved with that. And it was yeah. natural. It was sort of, you know, like teaching textbooks. I really love because there's that automatic feedback, right? When the kids are doing their work and same thing for grammar. Like, yeah. Well, and especially feedback. as they get older, they don't want to have mom telling them <laughs> everything that's wrong. And so, you no. know, it puts it at that distance and Grammarly works. Um, it, it's, often will highlight something that's wrong, but it may not be wrong. You've got to mm -hmm. look at it. You've got to apply some critical thinking to, you know, what it's saying, because it doesn't understand everything. No, um, I've got Grammarly turned on when I'm doing my work. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I yeah. honestly, I have it and I haven't used it in over a year myself. <laughs> and yeah. I probably should. You can probably tell in some instances. Yeah. But well, I still have somebody edit my work. <laughs> yeah. even with grammar. <laughs> yeah. But because when you're writing, when you're being creative, your mind is working on a different level mm -hmm. than the grammar. And yes. you, you know, that's just the way it works, which is why you don't correct your kids when they're writing. 
Yeah. You shouldn't because they need the creative side is very different than this technical side over here. And they need to be able to just express their thoughts without worrying about structure and all of the things that you, that's mm. for later, but it's easier to do when it's your own work later than <laughs> when you're the mom. Going, oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Well, I think even, you know, in my writing, if I write up a review, I cannot edit it that day because I'm too close to it. I, you know, I'll just keep saying the same thing in my head and I know what I wanted to say and it won't, I have to come back to it a couple of days later when I can get a little more distance from it, but yes. it does help to have an outside editor because they'll, they will read it and they'll catch things that, you know, you know what you meant to say, but they're not reading it that way. So, yes, you know, yes. just all those layers to things that um, anyways, yes. Yeah. The way schools operate, mm, they don't allow for that sort of process. So I'm sort of curious, Kathy, and I know, I, I know we're sort of all over the place, but that's okay with me. I, because I'm like, you're the Kathy Duffy. You have all this knowledge, all this experience combined. And I think I'm just asking the questions that other people would have too. Sure. How did you approach curriculum with your own kids? Because you, you couldn't do it the way, okay, let me rephrase. Let me think. Yeah. I guess no. with your experiences, from teaching your own children and your experience with reviewing so much curriculum, what strategies, yeah. what tips do you have for parents sort of in a nutshell? I yeah. Well, I don't, I'm do. not a good one for most people to emulate because I, uh, I really cobbled things together. I made up a lot of things from scratch. We created unit okay. studies from the beginning, you know, before there were unit studies published out there, we were making up unit studies. One of the things I wanted to do when we first started homeschooling again, my, you know, the kids were just so worried about the whole thing. I said, well, we can go to the beach in September when the other kids are in school, which we did. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we live close to close enough to the beach. And I'd grown up near the beach and that day, a school of dolphins swam by right offshore, which I had not seen, you know, not right in close, just a whole big school of dolphins. And so that raised some questions. And there were a lot of um, undestroyed seashells on the shore that day, which is unusual also. Usually they're crumbs by the time they get on the shore here. And so it just kind of dumped a, an ocean's unit study <laughs> in my lap because we had all these interesting questions from our day at the beach. And I thought, well, let's just, you know, let's go ahead and capitalize on that. So we got books from the library, read about Pagu the hermit crab, you know, and some of these other things, you know, just uh, had fun with it, learned about the ocean and about sea creatures and shells. And anyways, you know, it was just um, kind of, it happened, it just happened very organically. And yes. we enjoyed learning that way. And so, you know, we just continued to do that with a lot of other subjects. So I actually think that's where the, the best learning comes in is when yeah. it is more organic. You know? Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know how many of my podcast episodes you've listened to or haven't, but I have a saying connection before curriculum. And that very much comes from my own experiences as a, as a homeschooling mom, letting the curriculum get in the way of my connection with my child, because I felt, 
you know, I think as homeschooling parents, we do feel the weight of the public school system on our back, whether they're checking on you or not, you just feel that they always could be right. Yeah. So you, you're trying to just push forward, push forward, but sometimes that's just totally the wrong thing for that kid. Right. And, and sometimes I think you just need to use a different curriculum because it's not the right one for your kid. And something I shared recently too, is that I, I didn't think of these things. It's so obvious when somebody says it, but when you're in the midst of it, you're not always thinking of these things. Like none of this curriculum was created for your kid, none of it. (laughs) So it's okay. You don't have to be so rigid and be like, we've got to do every lesson or we have to stay exactly on what's laid out. It wasn't created for your child. Take, take what works and do that. Yeah. Skip what's not working, do it later, whatever. Well, and uh, it's involving your kids in the process too. uh, Chris, my eldest was interested in archery from the time he was young. Well, I know beans about archery. And um, so first, you know, he brought all the books in the library, in our local library about archery, (laughs) Uh, you know, and he liked, you know, we read aloud Robin Hood and other things, you know, but he just, he was fascinated by archery. He'd go out and he'd be, you know, uh, carving his own bows and arrows out of pieces of wood. You know, he, he was just so thoroughly into archery. And when he got into Boy Scouts, uh, you know, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, you know, the, he did archery there and went on, you know, got archery merit badges and stuff. But he taught himself. He ended up becoming a certified archery instructor and did competitions and things too, just for fun. You know, it was just, it was a hobby. We didn't, it wasn't scheduled part of school, but his research on archery, his self-directed learning taught him that he could teach himself, you know, that he could figure out if he wanted to learn something, he could figure it out for himself. This is what we really should be wanting for our children. Not that they learn how to be consumers of learning that's spoon fed to them, but that they can know what they need to know, what they want to know, what they're curious about. They can go out and find that information. And of course, it's so much easier now than it was before to get information. Yeah. So, because that was yes. like pre Google, you know, yeah. he's actually yeah. using books. So, and, and he's uh, learning, he's learning all these other skills that, you know, you could say were school skills, you know, researching, reading, and thinking, uh, putting <sighs> it all together into something practical. Thinking. What better way? What better way to do it? Yes. And you know what? Sometimes <laughs> I yeah. think I have done a pretty stellar job <laughs> of raising children who think yeah. because sometimes it drives me crazy how well they think <laughs> as a mom, I'm like, they challenge me. Yes. And well, why mom, you know, but it's not just, they're not being disrespectful in that. Right. Well, why? And I'm not saying yeah. there's never a moment of that, right. but you know, overall <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really just questioning. Well, why do you think that? Yeah. Why, why, yeah. why? And that's an important I think question. If there's one thing you should teach your children. It's how to think. Yeah. And that is easier said than done in a way, because I mean, where's the curriculum for how to think? <laughs> well, there, <laughs> there are some out there, but they don't work as well as having those practical discussion, you know, answering their why questions when they come up or asking them why and getting them to answer it. 
Yes. And that, that's been the hardest part for me is my kids are in these teenage years is yeah. not telling them, but asking because it always goes better when you ask anyway. Right. So Kathy, yeah. I just noticed our time. We're just, to, we're, we're like over the time we allotted <laughs> for this. I apologize. This. I am no problem. I am so excited and so honored to have you here. Yeah. And just, I have so many questions. I think I could keep you on for like the next eight hours, but I don't Let's, think you we, would We can just do it another time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I want to ask you, because as I realize what time it is, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. What, are there any parting thoughts that you have? Any real messages that you want my listeners, my, the people who are following homeschool think tank to hear, maybe this is the first time they've ever met you or mm, heard yeah. from you, you know, whether it's read these books or consider this, or this is what I've learned. And I would do this one thing different, whatever, yeah. what <laughs> I could give you a list. Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> read, read this book. Oh, you know, but yeah, it's all kinds of. But John Taylor Gatto is not a bad starting place. Dumbing us down, and some of his other shorter books are great places to start. Uh, I think the um, the last one was Weapons of Mass Instruction. That's a great one. I haven't that, read it. I've heard about it, and I've, yeah. I've seen it in some of. His yeah, videos that's a great one too. Uh, every one of his books is great. Um, but no, I think the best advice I would have is to trust yourself rather than other people telling you what to do. You know, your kids, you care about them more than anyone else does. So trust yourself, your instincts, what, what your children are telling you, what you're reading, you know, as you're observing them, you'll learn from that and you'll figure out what's best to do that way much more so than you know what a school is telling you to do you don't be afraid to jump ship from somebody else's plan that is excellent advice to simply trust yourself I think if I could have found that in myself sooner that would have really behooved yeah. my family and I think it will behoove those who are listening to this today I hope so Kathy, thank you <laughs> thank you that was outstanding and I'm so honored to have you as a guest on my podcast yeah. so thank you so much <laughs> well it was a fun conversation I knew it would be <laughs> thanks I hope that you enjoyed my interview with Kathy Duffy I am absolutely delighted to have had the opportunity to interview her if you'll check the show notes below you will find a link that goes to a blog post that goes with this podcast episode in that blog post, you will find information about anything that we spoke about in this interview, as well as Kathy Duffy's books and the video from this interview as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you know anybody else who would benefit from listening to this interview, please feel free to share it. Live and learn your way. My name is Jackie, and I am your host of the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. Bye-bye. I want to say thank you for listening to the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd like to ask you to take a moment to follow this podcast and share it with a friend. Remember to check the show notes for a link to the article that corresponds with this podcast episode. 
In this article, we'll include any links that we mentioned in this episode. And remember that you can search all of the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast episodes at homeschoolthinktank.com.